Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cardavera, a leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. And this is episode 24 with our special guest, Rafael Cortez. The title of today's program is Setting Your Business on Fire, Strategies for Building a Culture of People and Systems. Have you ever wondered how to increase your productivity, employee satisfaction, and team engagement? by 36% or more in your business? Our special guest, Rafael, is going to answer this and many more questions. Rafael is the CEO of CEO Pulse. He's a serial entrepreneur, a former firefighter, one of the youngest in Yuma County, Arizona, an industrial organizational psychologist, a podcaster, a real estate and broker and investor. The list goes on and on. And today, Rafael is going to share with us a path to intentionally building a business with a culture that integrates people and systems. Most important, he's going to give you the tools to help you better align your people, your systems, and your roles. So get ready to set your business on fire. Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Man, I'm so looking forward to today's interview with our special guest, Rafael Cortez from Phoenix, Arizona. Rafael is such a fascinating guy. You know, I was looking at his bio, hadn't met Rafael before. He's an organizational psychologist by education, a serial entrepreneur, real estate broker, investor, former firefighter. I saw something about one of the youngest firefighters in Yuma, Arizona. Uh, he's a new at the podcasting world. And he's got so many unique ideas to share with us today about the intersection of people and systems. And that's always fascinated me. So welcome, yeah. Rafael. Yeah, welcome. Oh, thank, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate that intro. It's, it's very humbling. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I do, I do have a, I'm an organizational psychologist and I, I own a couple of other businesses. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of about 21 while I was still working at the fire department. But yeah, it, I've developed a fascination for connecting people and, and systems within companies. Mm-hmm. And I've found out that it's whenever, you, uh, whenever you're able to make both of them flow, yeah. that's when the, the freedom and the stepping away from the company and, and all those prizes that we look at when we're venturing into entrepreneurship, that's when they happen. So yeah, no, thanks for the invite. I'm excited to be here, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So just to clarify, what you were talking about then is once you get the right people in the right seat connected to your culture, that's when you can actually start stepping away as a leader and allowing other people to run the business so that you can have a life. That's something. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So the, the natural tendency for usually for, for uh, especially startup um, and bootstrap entrepreneurs is to come in with, with a notion, right? So we have this and I'll speak for myself because that's exactly how I got started. Yeah. But we have this notion of, of, okay, this is the path that I should take or what I should be doing at this point. Mm-hmm. And time goes by and you start refining those, uh, those actions, right? Um, what, what happens quite a bit is that as, as the owner, you know, people start putting on hats, 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 and then they forget to take them off. Yes, um, <laughs> I so, so agree with that. Oh, my so, gosh. 
Yeah. So, so all you end up with is just one big seat instead of, you know, <laughs> sit, you know, seats and, and in, you know, within the company. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where burnout happens. That's, that's what burnout happens. It's not sustainable. I found that out the hard way in my hard first way. business. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I, I looked at burned out within three months. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Yeah. Tell us a little it, bit about it, that first business. Give us listeners a context for that. Okay, got well, a, a little bit of background, I guess. It, I, I became a fireman in Yuma when I, was, when I turned 19. And I mean, it's a, the perfect job. I love it. I still love, you know, the crew. I'm, I'm, I hang out with, with all the guys whenever we go back, you know, you know, back home, we stay in touch and everything. So it's a different culture. And I think that's what really instilled the sense of culture in, in any organization, you know, for me. That's where it began. That's where I learned to see things as standard operating procedures. At the beginning, when the, when the picture of becoming, becoming a fireman was just kind of being, being painted out there, it's like, okay, how do I do it? Why would you, you want to you know, run into a burning building? But when you find out that there's a process to it, the fear diminishes. And, right. and now you have, okay, cool. I'm going to follow this strategy. I'm going to follow these steps. And now I can tackle on something that's this big. To me, just crafting the, the, the first years of, of my professional life and kind of venturing out into the real world and really diving deep into, into that scenario, I think made, made all the difference. From there, funny story, it was, uh, we were actually hanging out in Applebee's, uh, a couple of friends, and, and uh, we started talking about the time that we had available as firefighters. One of the friends goes, uh, and he's a captain in Yuma now, he goes, uh, we should start a, you know, a business. And he started talking about a funeral home and, and a couple other possibilities because of the freedom and time that it could potentially mm-hmm. bring. One of the topics was um, non-emergency medical transport company, which is a wheelchair and stretcher uh, patient transportation. I took that. It just kind of festered in my mind for a few days and whatnot. So I, I, I took it and ran with it. Fast forward uh, two years at the age of 23, I'm, I moved to Phoenix and, and I started pursuing contracts, bought my first vehicle and, and I bootstrapped that whole thing. That's where I had the experience of wearing every single hat. Um, <laughs> coming into it, I was a dispatcher. I was, you know, I was a driver. I was a mechanic. I was a guy who washed vehicles. And, and you, you have to do that um, yeah. at the beginning, especially if you're a bootstrap, right? Yeah. And, and I think it builds that sense of, of passion and, and the blood, sweat and, and tears are going to the business and, and you make it your own, but it's not sustainable. Right. But you definitely learn what you're looking for when you're trying to hire somebody into those positions because you've done it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Completely yeah. agree. Yeah. You start digging the trench and then you figure out, okay, cool. I have, uh, I'm going to have these requirements. And my hiring was all off at the beginning. I was just kind of you know, if, if somebody had a pulse, I would bring him on. That's how I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of learned the, the yeses and the nos about, you know, bringing somebody on board. But it, it's, it's just part of the whole process. So anyways, that, that company, the transportation company, I started to, well, I figured out, all right, I'm going to copy things that I, that I lived with at the fire department. So we started to implement, for example, uh, checkoff lists on vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, doing a little switch like that, and borrowing from another industry to bring it into my company yeah. um, dropped the overhead in maintenance. I mean, we, we saw it on the long term and the quarterly expenses of maintenance, they dropped. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, simple things, just the, like the oil was being checked, vehicle, uh, vehicles were breaking down less and that sort of thing. So we started pursuing, we got more contracts and I started adding people into the mix. Looking at uh, my previous experience, borrowing from that and bring it, bringing that culture into, into that first business. So I think I, think I had a, an unfair advantage there because it was coming from a really good space. You know? Yeah, I love the parallels that you brought between the standard operating procedures in the fire department and what we step into in our businesses. And I think, you know, you didn't say it specifically, but I think as you looked at 
it helps you to go into that, that bigger picture of how, I'm, how am I going to step into this fire, this burning building? And sometimes it feels like that in business, right? How am I going to do this yeah. big thing? And if you follow the process, and sometimes that's going out and seeking help from other people, maybe a mentor, maybe a coach, maybe just hiring somebody to help with that. But sometimes it's, okay, I need to get the procedures down so I can have somebody else do that and hand it off so I can continue to build the business and focus on the business rather than in the business. Yeah, absolutely. I had, um, I had an indirect mentor. I mean, he wasn't directly my mentor, but I would look at anybody who I, who I would see in business and just pick out stuff and learn. I mean, I would walk around with that awareness. He told me one time, he said, yeah, just having a business, think of it as a ball of wax. It's your ball of wax. Nobody, I mean, it's not right. It's not wrong. It's your ball of wax. You can shape it into whatever you want to shape it. Mm. And, yeah. and that to me was, was a huge, huge <laughs> epiphany because I was jumping into it with the fear all right, am I doing this right? You, you want to comply with the legalities of jump, jumping into business, but outside of that, I mean, you don't know if your process is right, if they're, you know, <laughs> and most honestly, in my experience, especially the, the companies that I've been, I've had the, the, uh, the opportunity to come in as an organizational psychologist, it's, there is no process. There's ways of doing things, but there's no, right. uh, no operating system in place. They have, you know, they have step one, step two, step three, but uh, what an operating system does is that it'll automate stuff, it'll delegate stuff, and it'll lean it out. So you get rid of the excess weight. I mean, it's a mix of, of I mean, you're talking Sigma, you're talking all that stuff that plays into it, but it all begins with a very, very simple concept, which was, you know, for me, having, having the liberty to think about my business as my own ball of wax, right? Okay, <laughs> so I have liberty and I can get creative with this. Now, how do I make it happen? I had another gentleman who he was my boss at the time. He said, you know, it's simple, man. Just reverse engineer everything. Reverse engineer. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, reverse engineer. I mean, start with the end in mind. Yep. And, uh, and he knew I was starting this, this uh, launching this transportation company. And that's, you know, that's the advice he gave mm -hmm. me. He, uh, he goes, um, picture out what you want. I mean, what does it look like? And it's the first time I ever heard, you know, the notion of, of, of having clarity over, over your outcome, right? Yeah. And he goes, picture what you want, you know, income, employees, you know, size and all that stuff. And then just start taking parts away from it and reverse engineer it. Okay. Okay. So to have a building, I got to have, I don't know, credit for, to borrow a loan. And then to have that, you have to have certain amount of revenue. Mm -hmm. uh, so now I need this amount of revenue. And then, you know, what does that look like in terms of, of, uh, you know, monthly income? Um, then you have to look at expenses. So you start kind of like picking this whole picture apart and you end up with, with a lot of pieces that you can almost put together like a puzzle. And, and uh, I don't know, to me, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. And uh, oh, oh my God, if I can share it, one of, one of the biggest mistakes I did was uh, uncontrolled growth. I got super excited about a contract that was coming in. In the transportation company, we, we landed government contracts, right? So we became a, became a provider and the money was coming in, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't cons consistent. So it would come in, but sometimes you would have gaps of like 45 days in accounts mm -hmm. receivable. And we had, we had to float payroll, we had to float, uh, you know, float gas and, and insurance, and it was big, massive expenses. We were doing good. We got the opportunity to ramp up the, the, the amount of clients because of the contract, right? So they doubled the contract in size. Our workload doubled uh, overnight. So what, I mean, what does that mean? Our expenses doubled. We had to, you know, bring in and hire and then add vehicles. And over a period of about two weeks, um, I, I mean, we just got out of control in expenses. Mm. And we couldn't float it. We didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough credit. It was just uncontrolled growth that came in too fast. But I mean, that's, that would be the fairest example of, of uh, turning up the heat 
on that ball of wax. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael, I had a bunch of questions, but I want to I want to ask you a foundational question. I think a lot of the business <laughs> world is really confused by what you do because they have no context. They think mm-hmm. psychologists. I'm going to go somewhere and talk to my psychologist about my issues, but this is an organizational psychologist. So what does the organization go find its own couch? Now, obviously that's simplistic, but I really think there's a lot of confusion about what exactly is an organizational psychologist and what value do they, do they bring to a business? So can you enlighten us on that? Absolutely. I like to use the same, uh, same analogy. I mean, when somebody goes to a psychologist, they sit down on a couch and then they start verbalizing their problems, right? Um, as an IO psychologist with industrial organizational psychologist, we, uh, we do the same stuff. So we come in, we'll sit down with the board, if there is a board or the CEOs or whoever's in management, and we'll start um, laying out their, you know, their whole process. We start off with the strategy, right? They're coming about. And then, you know, we'll, we'll move from that, from strategy onto tactics, but we always end up at the people factor. Mm-hmm. So some companies, yeah, some companies out there have, you know, the best models, uh, you know, even tactics and resources and everything, but their team is off. Yeah. And, and not necessarily that they're not, they're not, you know, good, you know, performing employees. They're just, you know, in, in areas where they could be doing better if they were in a different you know, position. And, and that's where the psychology aspect of it, you know, clicks into it. I'll give you, I'll elaborate a little bit on that. So we had a, we had a client, it was a, it was a gym. And we do one of the things that we uh, usually, or at least my company, you know, does when we come into, uh, into a, uh, with a client, it, it's we'll start performing uh, behavioral tendency assessments on the team. And we'll figure out, you know, what the strengths of the team, uh, the management team start off with that. And then, you know, where they sit. And it, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting to see how after the test and after you see the results and after you see the strengths of the team, you see the strengths of the company and the deficits of the company. We had a gym, there was a, a gym client, super cool culture. You walked in, you just wanted to spend the whole day at the gym. And it was just one of those places where you just got motivated. You know, the vibe was, was up and it was just a, a cool place to be around. Uh, their books were a whole different story. So, <laughs> What, uh, what we did when we came in, yeah, sure enough, we saw, we saw a lot of people with uh, like influential tendencies and people skills and everything, but not really on any, anybody in management, the people who were supposed to be on management, there was, there was no, uh, their strengths, like the person handling numbers had a strength, uh, like their biggest strengths were, were extroverted and with people, <laughs> um, as opposed to, to actually like having the analytical uh, patience to sit down and, you know, workout budget plans and things like that. Right. So they, it's just, you know, kind of putting when you and that's normal when you come into a business. I mean, you just need help, right? You bring somebody in. I, I like this guy. He's going to help me out. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> she's going to help me out. But then what happens is that, yeah, people will comply and, and, and two things occur. One, you start having attrition of employees because they get burned out because they're not sitting in their element. Right. Uh, they may, you know, put their best effort to do it, you know, for three, six months, but they're going to get tired. Yep. It's inevitable. And so that's, that's what we were seeing. And we, we did, we shifted a couple of things. We actually brought somebody else that wasn't part of the gym to handle the accounting section of it. And then, you know, uh, regu- uh, regulate budgets, things started flowing better. So, nice. yeah, but it, it's, it's a sort of thing that you can look at when you have a full picture of what the operating system is mm-hmm. and, or an overview of the company. 
and then you actually have individual assessments and 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 know the strengths of your team. So putting those things together are really what make a make a company connect and flow. So you, it's interesting what you just said, and I think a lot of people that I know I interact with, and I have this tendency too, Raphael, mm-hmm. is to think of operating systems as separate from people. Mm-hmm. People operate the systems, but I, you know, I see the people issues as system issues are separate. But what I'm hearing you say is this is, your work is really at that intersection. Not only the intersection of systems and people, but how better to integrate them mm-hmm. for the performance of the business. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. So it goes back to the concept of the, the right butts and the right seats, right? But it dives a little, uh, you know, a little deeper. It's not just about aptitude and, and, and skills. It's about the, the strengths that that individual already carries with them. For example, usually somebody who's not built with the strengths for a particular job will do great for about three months. Yeah. And then after three months, you'll start, you know, see a performance just kind of dwindle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that happens is because, and I'll use like a super clear, uh, like a, a basic, right, uh, scenario. If you have somebody, if you have a, an accountant's position, but you have somebody who's very, very outgoing, you have somebody who's an extrovert, they, lo- they love to talk to people, they love to connect, they need that emotional connection, and you put them in a, in a cubicle, they may do great for a while, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to create uh, tension and stress yeah. between their, their natural behavioral tendencies and their adaptive uh, tendencies. So they're adapting to that position, right? On a regular basis. The crazy thing is that we'll adapt to our, to the tendencies that we need to adapt more than, more than we really spend on our own. I mean, how mm-hmm. hours of the day, and th- this is, this is a, a, to me, when it, when it landed, it was, it was really, it was really big, right? How many hours do we really spend just sitting down being ourselves without any additional stress? <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Think about that. Maybe what, 10% of the day? If wow. That, without any, any, any other time, you're adapting to a situation. You're adapting to a, to a yeah. conversation. You're adapting to, a, to wow. work. You're adapting to you know, school and kids. And you're, you're moving from your natural tendency where you're at peace and bliss and, and you know, meditating and levitating, <laughs> you know, per se. But it, it's, um, we spend most of the time in our adaptive state. And when you have a, um, such, such big of a gap, between your natural tendency and your work tendency, which is where you're spending eight hours a day for a regular employee, I mean, that, that creates stress. That creates a bigger level of stress and it creates the friction and, you know, the headaches and the, the dissatisfaction mm-hmm. because they're, they're having to adapt, not because they necessarily hate the job. Eventually they will, but not because they start off hating the job. It's just, that's what gets them tired. Uh, let me ask you a question. Sure. And it's, it's for both uh, Jeff and Greg. <laughs> Do you have things that you can spend hours doing, hours, hours, and you don't get tired? You almost oh, yeah. feel refreshed when you walk away. Absolutely. Um, yep. Give me an example. Give me an example. This is one of them. This is yeah, it. exactly. Oh, cool. <laughs> we have fun having a conversation, talking about leadership or business issues. Do yeah. it for four days. Just give me an IV. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jeff and I are both high extroverts. Feed, <laughs> feed me. Do something. That's right. Um, so, um, and then do you have other activities that just wear you out that you can't do for, you know, 30 minutes because you're Details. tired. Details. You're brain dead. You're, you, exactly. You feel that way. Especially if you come from a creative space and you have to focus because of requirements, because of job, you know, positions and whatever your adaptive state is, you have to adapt to that analytical side. It's going to wear you out real quick. That's yeah. one of the biggest gaps that we see in employment. And Makes sense. 
And it's actually one of the biggest things that as an organizational psychologist, I come in and then work out with people. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. Let's, let's drop that level of stress by doing this. Okay. You know, sometimes it's shifts and then sometimes it's, you know, bigger steps as reorganization and stuff like that, but it's all dependent on on the company. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. So it seems like a lot of what you're doing is individual match, individual role, you know, the, the person to the role match. And I'm wondering how much of that plays back to person and organization match. So looking at the culture, looking at the values, looking at the, the purpose of the company, how much would you say that impacts it compared to the, the individual role match? Let's start with job satisfaction, for example. So in an individual, how much of that job satisfaction is the match to the role the match to the manager and the match to the organization. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, whenever, whenever you do have a match and we've, we've come in, we've actually measured that before, you have about a 36% increase in productivity and employee satisfaction and engagement, more importantly. So there's, there's people show up to work, but there's not a lot of engagement when yeah. you have that big gap. Gotcha. And, and that just boosts up, which is, you know, it's just placing people in happier environments. Obviously in big companies, you can't do it, you know, with, 500 employees. I mean, you can, but it, it's super pricey. So it, it's, it becomes like counterproductive, at, you know, at times, right? Uh, however, you can do it with management. You can do it with the people who are actually steering or taking leadership roles with those teams. And that's where your, your leadership strategy kicks in. And that's where it can pick up a lot of that weight. Gotcha. So one of the things that's hitting me, Raphael, and I'm looking back at my businesses over the years, I, I don't know, I've probably started six or seven businesses, you know, two or three successful, two or three not. And that, you know, the runs were different, but Mm -hmm. there's a couple things that to me, and I think entrepreneurs often put off in the distance, they put off culture, they put off values and mission and purpose and all those things. They say, you know, once I get this going, I'll deal with that. Those are nice to have. And I think Mm -hmm. systems is another one. I think (laughs) entrepreneurs do not start with systems. They say, I got this cool thing. I'm going to go start. I got to make revenue. And down the road, I'll figure out systems. Number one, is that what you see? And number two, what would you say to people starting a business around the importance of operating systems early? So here's, here's the thing with that. I'm, I'm all for it. It's actually the core of what I do. But there's, I think there is a time to really emphasize and, and dial in the systems part. When you're starting off, because you don't have that clarity on what the overall operation is going to look like for the most part, right? Unless you're doing a franchise or something like that. It, it's really hard to nail down the, the, the actual operating system and the flows and the automation where everything's going to happen. So coming into it, I mean, it, it's hazy, it's foggy. And then the best thing that, you know, that anybody can do coming into a company or starting off is document, document every single thing. And, and the way that I went about it before I even focused on a career on this, I would uh, just reverse engineer that like the, that piece of advice was huge. Okay, what do I want? I, I want to make sure that this box gets out this way. So what do I need for that? Just break it back, break it back, and then document, document. When you're starting off, there, there's different levels, right? So we have, you know, level, different level companies. 
when you're starting off in a level one type of company, which is you know one to ten employees, your priorities are going to be different. And as you increase levels, your priorities change. So, so on a level one company, somebody starting off, you're looking at revenue. You got to have revenue, otherwise you can't keep the lights on. So that's your main focus versus revenue. And then you're going to focus, really emphasize on the on the people that you're bringing in. That's your second focus. And the third is going to be operating systems. Um, on a level two company, as you start scaling and getting busier, uh, you switch from people as a second priority to first place, and then you kick your revenue to second place. Why? Because now you're putting together the team, right? And creating that culture, that base that's going to adopt the, the values and, and the vision of the company, you know, what's going to make it work, the bloodline per se. And as you kind of fine tune that, then you can start diving deeper into the actual operating systems. At the end of the day, like, the only thing that's going to work is it's if you work. So, so spending a lot of time right out of the gate with fine-tuning operating systems and not launching until you're ready, yeah. uh, it's going to give you analysis paralysis and you're going to miss the boat. Wow. So. I've been down that path before. Just envisioning <laughs> what the done that. should be and laying it all out and then never getting started with it. So, <laughs> well, you, you have something really significant, Raphael, that I hadn't thought about before. The idea that in the beginning out of necessity, yeah, put revenue first. Because Craig and I both are believers that the company needs to be people first. Yeah. That's the best way. But you're saying in the beginning, you've got to be revenue first and you've got to be willing to get out and make revenue happen. And then you shift your priority once you demonstrate the ability to build revenue because now you've got to get the people right and then they become your number one priority. That's, that's a fundamental shift for me. Had not thought of that, if that shift over in the short term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's crucial because, I mean, it's a cold, hard truth, right? You can't keep your people happy if you can't keep the lights on. And it doesn't mean that you completely isolate your team and then you don't educate or train or anything like that. But emphasis of the daily activities is going to be on, on revenue. Okay, cool. What are the actions that we need to take to start getting the wheels you know, turning as a company? That happens, you figure that out, and then you start, you know, fine-tuning training protocols. Okay, how can I hire better? What can I do better to bring people into my, you know, into my culture, into my vision? You focus on that stuff as you hit a certain, you know, amount of revenue or a, you hit a cushion, you hit, you're sustainable, right? Not necessarily thriving yet, but you're at a place that, okay, cool, we're good with revenue, we can survive. Now we can, you know, put the other piece together. And then after that, you know, you plug in the systems and that's when the machine takes a while to create. It took me a long time to realize that I wanted to come in and have something running right out of the gate. <laughs> and it, yeah, it didn't pan out that way. <laughs> yeah. I work with a lot of clients on their backend marketing systems, as you know. So what that mm -hmm. looks like is for somebody who knows what they're doing, it's, it's fairly easy to set that up and get that going. But when you're starting out and having to learn how to build that, that's, that's very different. Sometimes the systems that you're building in the company bring in an outsider to, to help you if you have the possibility of doing that. Sometimes you can barter if you don't have the, the cash to do that. So there are various ways to do that. But bringing in the systems at the appropriate time makes sense too. It's like, should we start off with a CRM or should we start off with an Excel spreadsheet and you know, at least get started? Yeah, the answer is start. Yeah, exactly. With, with exactly. Whatever it is that you have, start, take that, take that first step. And so I get, I get the shiny object effect, right? Even, even now, <laughs> like I have, I, have to, I have to stay aware to stay focused. And I have this one thing that I do to make sure that I'm, I'm sitting on the right track 
of whatever my goal is. I have a top three. So on a daily basis, I have a top three, which is top three things that I focus on. And whatever those top three activities include, they got to be pushing my main picture forward. So for example, it's one is going to be, you know, lead generation. Okay. I got to focus on, it's one of my top three lead generation. The other one is automation. That's kind of stuff that I have right now set up. So as long as I'm tackling those, you know, those top three in, in some some sort of way. I don't always know what it's going to look like, or I, I don't have the perfect system for it. I just know that, okay, that's the action that I need to take to move the needle forward and, and be a step ahead tomorrow, not, you know, not on the same place. So yeah, going back to uh, what, what do I use, the CRM, the spreadsheet, and, and, and there's so many things, so many resources so out there that things. it's so easy to get caught up in the, in the wanting to perfect everything with theory. Yeah. But it, I mean, entrepreneurship is, is not like that. Any, any leader is going to let you know that it, it's, yeah, you can learn some stuff in theory, but it's not going to get polished or, or become effective until you actually put it out there. And then you get you know, a couple of bruises and bumps in, along the way. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, especially for entrepreneurs, speak to this, Raphael, this is my, first of all, this is just part, just my opinion. Entrepreneurs, in my experience, often thrive on chaos, <laughs> and uncertainty and risk and diving in. That's their thing. Yeah. I'm labeling entrepreneurs other than something who starts a business because not everybody who starts a business is an entrepreneur in my mind because entrepreneurship is a mindset. And I know that most entrepreneurs who have that thing, clearly you do, they're shiny object people too. And I find that the entrepreneur in me doesn't like systems because they distract me from my brilliance. I want to, I want to thrive and use my brilliance and, and just wow the world with, the improv, you know, the improv. So I'm hearing all these collisions. So you've got an entrepreneur who starts a business. You said earlier, they're putting on all these hats, don't even know they're doing it. They never take them off. And often I'm going to guess the entrepreneur is not the one that's going to think about systems. For the most part, that's why you need a director of operations or somebody to come in as as a, like, for example, a COO, somebody who's really good at making things flow. And, right. and yeah, you're, you're completely right. So there's, there's a difference between visionaries and integrators, right? And are Absolutely. you aware of that concept? Yes. Yeah. So for the most part, somebody, somebody who's a really, you know, the, the risk taker and that, you know, that sort of spirit comes in into entrepreneurship is going to be the visionary painting things, not really looking at the details too much. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, even, even seeing that type of stuff as a headache, you, yep. net, you completely need somebody else. Like that's why you can't really take a, a successful company from zero to a hundred. And I, I haven't heard any cases. If you had, let me, let me know, but you know, solo, uh, you need, you need a team, you need to collaborate. You need to figure out who has the, you know, those gaps that you, you might be lacking on your end. I know I have a bunch of them, but you know, thankfully I have a lot of people that pick up that way for me with yeah. me, actually friends who I, you know, sit down and then we share ideas, uh, you know, people in my team and, you know, the kind of, all right, dude, you're, you're misspelling words left and right. I don't <laughs> care about spelling. It, it, I just want to <laughs> get the concept, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the message through, but so you write it and I'll, you know, that sort of thing becomes like the glue, but you're completely right. So you, you're going to walk into, um, a company or a dream, an idea with this big, big, big picture that's cloudy and nobody understands but you. Right. Um, it's super hard, but super important to figure out how to clarify that. Oh my um, gosh, yes. And then, yeah, have somebody polish it. If you can't polish it, give it to somebody who can polish it for you. <laughs> and there's people out there who love being able to take something and make it better. Yeah. Um, somebody who's a visionary loves to create something. Right. Right. 
So I'm, I know that's my case. I love to sit down and create things. I'm creating an acumen assessment for hiring now, uh, which is mm. it kind of covers the uh, the first part of what we talked about. But it, it's putting things and creating things. I don't exactly you know know what the, in the end product, the polished version is going to be uh, or it's going to look like. However, I, I know now I know enough to okay, cool, it's not my strength. I'm not going to kill myself with it because it's going to suck anyways. So I'm going to give it to somebody who's really good at it, right? And have them help me out with it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's so good. So, so Raphael, the question that comes to mind for me as we wrap up is right now, as we're recording this, we're right in the heart of the pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic. And I had a conversation with a coaching client this morning and she said something really interesting that over the last four or five weeks, they've had to, by necessity, implement new systems and new ways of doing business that for years, others in the company were saying, we can't possibly do that. And there's a lot of companies experiencing that. So give us your take as the organizational psychologist. What do you see? What do you see coming out of this COVID time around operating systems and doing things differently in business? Very, very interesting. So here's the thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it from a psychological standpoint. So sometimes you have cultures in companies that are so established, so old school, so fixed. And people don't want to change anything. Why? Because there's no, there's no threat. However, one of the biggest catalysts for change is chaos. Yeah. When you throw chaos into the mix, people become a lot more receptive. Why? Because they go from an area that they know, uh, an area of comfort into survival mode. Yeah. So now they're thinking, oh, what the, yeah. Oh my God, what the hell is going to happen? You know, you got (laughs) to do something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. And they start taking ideas. And that's when people become a lot more receptive and that's what we're seeing right now. So yeah, you do have companies who for years and years and years and years have not changed a single process. Um, heck, uh, homes are still being built the same way they were being built uh, you know, 100 years ago. Uh, right. Now they're starting to come up with different you know, cost-effective materials and that sort of thing, but it's part of the evolution. Now it's the same concept coming into with COVID-19. Now there's a lot of businesses that they either pivot their strategy into something else or they're going under. There's, there's no way that you're going to be able to thrive and survive or survive yeah. and thrive without doing something like that. But um, I think what's opening up a lot of that or getting rid of, of a lot of that friction that used to be in that, in that space is, is the, the chaos that, that's coming in with it, the level of uncertainty. So there's going to be um, a lot of open minds in terms of, okay, what can we do about business? What can we do about taking this and moving the needle forward again tomorrow? And there's going to be a lot of change. Now we have the opportunity to do a lot of things online. There's, there's ways to do a lot of, uh, to have a lot less overhead in certain industries. And I yeah. think that's going to be capitalized on. So, I mean, it's hard to tell. We're, nobody knows what's going to happen, you know, the end of COVID and, and what business is going to look like. However, uh, it's, it's the, like all the elements are in place because we have the resources available to make change. And then we have the willingness of companies and the buy-in of the teams to make pivots. What what I'm hearing you say is if we don't take advantage of this opportunity of chaos right now, we're missing a huge opportunity to adjust our companies. Yes. Yes. Especially with if uh, on companies that where the culture is so, uh, so ingrained already. Uh, If you've been wondering, if you're a business owner and you have a company, you you know, 20 employees and you've been wanting to switch things around a little bit, now is the perfect time. Yeah. And, and it might be the required time because of monetary <laughs> reasons, but culture-wise, it's hard to change culture. You can't change it on a dime. That's, you got to have buy-in, right? Yeah. 
and, yeah. and chaos is it's one of the things that it does. But that's oh. what's happening in, in every industry right now. This is, this is great stuff, Raphael, and, and you've enlightened me on a couple of things today, and I'd love to get enlightened. Oh, he I'd does. Get enlightened. <laughs> my pleasure, man. We both make, my, make my brain work. So, glad, you know, Raphael, we, we wrap up every podcast with a couple of questions. We call them our signature questions. And one of the questions I'd love for you to share with our audience is, what's the one piece of wisdom? And I emphasize one because everybody's got 30. What's that one <laughs> right. piece of wisdom you would offer leaders that help them have more impact? Leaders who have impact-wise, it'd be servant leadership. If, you, if you're not familiar with the concept of servant leadership, um, I, I, I highly recommend that you, you pick up a few books on, on the context. And it's pretty much leading, not necessarily by doing everything yourself, by being a, a servant of the bigger purpose of your company, of your team. Yeah. Uh, I think that goes a long way. Awesome. We're that. big fans of that. Yeah, yeah, right, right in our wheelhouse. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> the second question is one of my favorites because I tend to live and see the world through movies. The <laughs> question is, what's a favorite movie, a scene, or even a character that makes you think about great leadership or teaches some key leadership lesson? Coolest character of all time is always going to be Iron Man. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, However, when it comes to uh, leadership, one of the characters that I resonate the most is Marcus Aurelius from Gladiator. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, he had, he had that, that sense of fairness that is actually like close definition of uh, servant leadership. He, like whenever he was imprisoned and everything, he would step up, you know, for, for his people for the bigger purpose of things. Not necessarily doing the things because everybody was getting buy-in. But that's exactly the, the, uh, the type of leadership that I think, like, especially now, I think, leading with certainty, leading with, with uh, direction and, and owning the responsibility of, of your company, of your organization. That's, that's what's required. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I had, and, I, and I love that movie. And I had oh, never yeah. thought till just when you brought it up, mm-hmm. that servant leadership element of Marcus Aurelius, because he did, if you look at everything he did, he had a mission for himself, but he was always mm-hmm. looking out for the team. Hey, if we work together, we can survive this. We can move forward, but we got to work together. And I'm in it with you. Mm-hmm. He's in the middle of it, but he's, and he's always about circling the team up, man. So many great metaphors. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for that great reminder. <laughs> yeah. So My Raphael, pleasure. it's awesome stuff. Tell us what's going on for you. What would you like people to know and uh, how can they get in touch with you? So I'm pretty responsive on um, social media. Instagram is really the easiest way to get a hold of me. It's at Raphael.ceopulse. As far as uh, projects and things that I have upcoming, um, through, uh, through the company CEO Pulse, we, one of the things that we're working on right now is an operating system for real estate investments. I own a, a real estate investment company and real estate brokerage. So that plays into it. I built it really for my company, but you know, people saw it and they, they started asking for it. So, so we're putting it out. We're marketing that. Another thing that we have coming up on the, on the second quarter is going to be uh, through, again, through CEO Pulse, uh, and you'll find information on the website, ceopulse.com. Uh, it's going to be acumen assessments for hiring and, and onboarding, which is, you know, essentially the same thing that I was talking about, closing the gap between the, the requirements and then the strength, the natural strengths, and closing that gap between the adaptiveness and the natural stance of, of employees. So. I'm pretty excited about that stuff. I geek out on, geek out on that stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good stuff to geek out on. Uh, that's fantastic. Thank, thank you, Raphael. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you My for pleasure. enlightening me and bringing a very unique perspective that I know is going to have more impact and help 
the leaders who listen have more impact in their whole lives. Thanks, Raphael. Thanks for being here. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the invite. It's been fun. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.